Hi, and welcome to the Dying Task Podcast. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick. Today, we are getting into it. Actually, more like not getting into it. We're talking about conflict and how we react to it. I bounce a lot of podcast pitches off of our morning producers because it's a varied enough group that I can really find out if a topic is going to stick with them, find out if it catches their interest, and they let you know pretty quickly. So last week, I got this pitch to chat with a guy named Richard Burke. He is one of the nation's top conflict resolution practitioner. Sounds very fancy, doesn't it? But in plain words, he helps people diffuse conflict at work. So he shows up at an office. Spoiler, if he shows up at your office, do what he says, because things have gotten really bad. But he's the conflict guy. So he shows up and he helps people get back on the same page, if that's possible. And usually it is possible to get people back on the same page and get them working together. People just need to be led through it sometimes. So I bounced this idea off of the producers, and I thought they'd like it, but they actually loved it. And a few of them instantly had some suggestions of questions, uh, which made me think, is that about me? Which I don't think it was, but they definitely had some specific questions. You'll hear a couple of those actually worked through the interview today. Conflict, like it or not, and most people don't like it, is everywhere. It's at home. It's at work. It's at school. You cannot avoid it, but you can change how you react to it and perhaps prevent little things from turning into big things. It's also how you identify people who would be good leaders and managers, right? Because they're really good at getting everybody calmed down. So on a small level, you probably already instinctively do a couple of things to avoid conflict. So say you're having a party and you see two people chatting and you're like, those two should not be together because you know that maybe they vary widely in their politics and you see someone just brought up a campaign ad. So you might instinctively intervene and take one of those people and say, I need your help in the kitchen, something like that. But when you get into a more formal setting, like say a work setting or a school setting, you can't always remove yourself from the conversation. You can't just say, I don't want to be a part of this. Sometimes you got to be a part of it, but you can change the way you are a part of something. You can try Richard's top three things to avoid and diffuse conflict. You could do those. He's going to break this down into very simple things. They're so simple that you forget to do them in the heat of the moment. But this is some life-changing stuff here. So here's Richard's background. He is the senior VP of a company called JAMS. And JAMS does what they describe as alternative dispute resolution. So on a big level, they're a company that helps other companies avoid going to court over things. He is a former trial lawyer from Boston, a graduate of Harvard Law, an associate director of the Stanford Center on International Conflict and Negotiation. He taught at Stanford Law, and he writes about mediation and negotiation. He has taught around the world, and he admitted to me after the interview ended that his own personal life is not conflict-free because he's raised children. <laughs> children bring conflict. We bring conflict to them. And he told me he's had some super normal drama with both of them as well. And uh, just on a side note, I will forever treasure the unintended parental advice I got off camera for this interview. It was actually very comforting to find out that somebody who is phenomenal at avoiding conflict, as he puts it, when it's in your own house right in front of you, it's very, very difficult. Always much easier to negotiate and navigate these situations with people who are not your relatives. So, if you have someone who has been driving you crazy at work or at school, in the neighborhood, wherever, listen up and let's see if Richard's three-pronged solution can help you. Because in the end, the person who suffers the most when you don't deal with conflict is you. Insert mic drop here. Richard Burke is my guest this week on the Dying Desk Podcast. 
Have you ever wondered how did they do that? I do all the time. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and Dying to Ask is the podcast that gets me off a TV news set and into candid conversations with authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and influencers I have been dying to talk to. Soak up the motivation that comes from learning how other people live their lives, how they take an idea or a goal, they follow through, and they pull it off. And maybe along the way, I'll get some answers to questions you've been dying to ask. Richard, what are the, the big things that we are getting into it with each other at the workplace about these days? Like, let's just start high level here. What are the biggest things that you get complaints about? Um, the biggest thing that I hear is perceived inequities, right? People say it's like, I'm doing more of the work, or I didn't get a promotion, or that person is getting paid more than I am. And a lot of them come down to, you know, real simple stuff, race, gender, status, seniority, um, so that probably, you know, by itself is probably the single biggest uh, cause of conflict in the workplace. Are we still complaining about the same things about each other and about the workplace that we used to, or have things changed much since the pandemic, since work got kind of um, turned on a 180? Well, you know, since the pandemic, we've obviously gone to much, much more remote and hybrid workplaces. And so, uh, you know, people don't get to see the whole person. They don't get to see somebody coming in from their commute. They don't get to, you know, enjoy the donuts that they might have brought in. Um, there are fewer opportunities for kind of conversations in the hallway around the, you know, the 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 coffee station. The small moments. So, the so moments. a lot of that is just depersonalizing. And so people look at their colleagues more as just somebody I work with as opposed to a whole person. Yeah. The, pro that, the problem though, is that like when some of those little things that once you have a little something going with someone or a situation, it builds, you know, it can, it really kind of rolls and it can create a bigger issue that you never even saw coming. If I could give just a couple of tips to people, um, the first one would be replace judgment with curiosity. I often know that uh, when somebody says something and, uh, you know, I can either feel it in my gut or maybe, you know, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, you realize if you're having an emotional reaction, the body knows it, and that's a judgment. And instead of acting on that judgment, just say, you know, something's happening that I don't fully understand. And so that's an opportunity to just remind yourself, ask a question, and my mm -hmm. favorite question is just say, um, it's actually, you know, sort of a, a request. Tell me more about that. Um, so if there's just one thing I could impart, you know, it's to say, replace judgment with curiosity, ask for more information. Yeah, I think so, tell me more. Those are three really powerful words. One thing I, I've tried that it has actually worked well for me is if, if somebody has said something heat of the moment, and certainly in, in my business and television news, People, we go hot and cold very quickly because it can be a high stress situation. And, you know, somebody might snap or say something that they don't really mean, but it gets interpreted by someone. And so if I've had somebody come to me and say, oh, so-and-so said this to me, sometimes because I don't want to get into it with them, <laughs> I've said, well, that seems a little out of character. Maybe you go ask them a little bit more about that. And sometimes reminding somebody that a conversation felt a little out of character for them is a good way to find out that maybe there's something bigger going on. You know, maybe they're dealing right. with something outside of work that somehow got out at work in a way that they didn't intend. 
Absolutely. I mean, what you're talking about is like having a feelings conversation. Yes. Yes. Right. To say, you know, it's like when you said that, that struck me uh, differently than our usual interactions. Um, Anything going on? Anything, you know, that uh, you want to share? You know, maybe the answer is no, but I think at least asking about the background um, can help a lot. Mm -hmm. The second tip that you have is understanding that we all communicate a little differently and our communication styles could come from so many different places, whether it's the way you were brought up, the kind of jobs you've done in the past, your age probably has a lot to do with it, your own experiences. Um, And, you know, we're all pretty complicated. Like, you know, the poet Walt Whitman said, you know, we are large, we contain multitudes. (laughs) We're not the same person all the time, you know? And so some people at work uh, are very passive um, and at home might be much more dominant and controlling or vice versa. So I don't want to say that everybody has, you know, a particular way. Um, They have a lot of different ways, but it's, uh, you know, if, if somebody who wants to take control of a problem and somebody who wants to process things really slowly um, are working together, um, somebody might get impatient and the other person might feel pushed. And so I think just recognizing that we all have our own ways of dealing with conflict and that the people that we're talking to may have a different way. And the goal, I think, is to find a compatible way for you to be able to talk to each other. And then um, the third, the what, third tip out the, the gate that you recommend is to, to give yourself a bit of a timeout and just try counting to 10. If somebody is doing something, saying something, creating something at work or wherever you happen to be, take a timeout. Right. Our, our, our instinct is to react and to respond right away. And sometimes when people are talking, we already have our response ready in our head. Instead, Um, It's just a nice practice when you think somebody's done talking, count to 10, and uh, I'll bet you that nine times out of 10, they add to the conversation because they will fill that silence with information that'll help. How do you get ahead of a conflict? Because you can have a, you can see a situation coming down the tracks. And and if you've been around for a while, you know exactly what's going to happen. And chances are, it's going to go the way it's going to go. How do you get ahead of something that you anticipate will become an issue so that it doesn't have to explode? Um, Well, it kind of goes back to a lot of the things we're talking about, you know, inquire what somebody's underlying interests are because the path that they're taking toward that conflict is their way of trying to achieve an objective. And the objective might be legitimate, but the way they're going about it might be problematic. And so I think if you see something coming down the pike, you say, what are you trying to achieve? If this goes as well as possibly for you, what's the outcome? And if this is a nightmare and it goes as badly as possible for you, what does that look like? And so, you know, by asking them about kind of their dreams and their nightmares, their perfect scenario and their night, you know, their worst scenario, um, you learn a lot about what they're trying to get at. And then you can have a conversation about how to achieve their objective without it kind of turning into a, you know, a firestorm. Sometimes I think people can um, have resentment build up in a workplace because they see that certain things are expected of certain people and certain people don't do as much. I mean, it's, it's no different than your kids arguing about who did the dishes last night at home. In a lot of yeah. ways. Oh, you bet. What, are, what are some good ways to deal with that? Do you think? Um, 
Well, talking about fairness explicitly to say what seems fair to you and what seems unfair about this situation. And it's like, well, they did the dishes last night and, you know, or, uh, but I've been doing them all week. It's like, okay. And, you know, sort of expanding the conversation to say, um, what do you know about what's going on for them? Um, did you know that, you know, they sprained their wrist, that they have a kid at home that's sick, that, uh, you know, something's happening that kind of says, you know, just like, raise, you know, I have, I have two kids as well. And so, you know, every like sort of cutting that cake, you know, you could have an atomic scale and they still think, you know, it's, it's not, <laughs> right. not so not true. Fair. And so you say, you know, fairness is not in each interaction. Fairness is kind of something that you have to measure over the long run. And, you know, if you have a supervisor that you trust, you say, I have my eye on this. And believe me, if somebody is getting what perceive, what you think is a little bit more, it's because I've made a judgment about that. And if you have questions about that, those questions should come to me. They shouldn't take the form of resentment against the other person because your job is to do your job, not to know everything about your coworker's life. My job as the manager is to yeah. do that. And then it also gets back to the point that you never really know what people are dealing with, especially these days. There's a lot going on. Our lives are not simple. Um, you know, we all kind of wish for some, you know, a conflict, a conflict free <laughs> life, but, you know, conflict is an opportunity too. It's an opportunity to inquire. And I guess that, you know, the other thing to think about is this conflict that's productive and this conflict that's not. Um, we talk uh, in our industry a little bit about task conflict and relationship conflict. And so task conflict, how do we get the job done optimally? You might have different ways of different approaches to that. And that's a really productive conversation. It's kind of like Abraham Lincoln's, you know, team of rivals that like to argue about things. Relationship conflict, where you take stuff personally, mm -hmm. like I didn't get my way, Um that's generally not productive in work or life. And you just have to figure it out sometimes. Um, you know, it starts with separating out. Um, is this about the job or what we're trying to get done? Or is this about uh, I'm getting a bad vibe, right? And at least knowing that, you know, the, the, the problem is people don't separate those things out. And so one person just wants to get the job done and the other one is seething. <laughs> yeah. And at the heart of it, you have two people who probably just want to be heard. Yeah. I think uh, recognition and a sense of belonging, um, you know, gets down to, you know, really basic human needs. Um, but, uh, you know, in a given situation, when you're slicing that cake between the two kids, it doesn't feel about basic human needs. It feels like about the bigger piece of cake. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you have two kids. Are you able to diffuse conflict in your own house? Um, I do my best. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or do they say, dad, don't use that stuff that you do at work on me? Oh, they, uh, um, <laughs> they, they have learned the <laughs> language of conflict resolution from a very early age. And uh, kids are so skillful. Whatever tool you give them, um, they're going to find a way to use it back on you. Um, <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> Uh, one of the one of the really fun things that I've studied uh, is, is sort of learning about neuroscience and brain development, and you know a lot of really bad you know 
difficult to deal with behavior is such an important part of human development. How did you get into conflict resolution? I can't think of anything that would be more stressful than dealing with people who are stressed and going at it. Um, you know, I my, my first job out of law school was as an assistant DA, and I would talk to a lot of police officers and say, why did you get to get into policing? I mean, that seems like a stressful job. And they said, well, you know, as a kid, I was always the one that ran toward the conflict. Um, and I realized something about myself that um, I love other people's problems because they're not mine. It's <laughs> um, pretty so honest. Um, well, there's a there's a way in which it's pretty easy to be thinking about, you know, sort of like the things that you need to get done. And, you know, it's just it's a really wonderful break from your issues to realize it's like, wow, other people have stuff going on and I can help. And so, uh, you know, learning how to be neutral, how to be available to people, how to deal with people uh, who, you know, there's, there's a wide spectrum of folks. Um and it just is a fascinating, uh, you know, there there just aren't that many things that have been able to keep my attention for that long. And conflict resolution, you know, I'm three yeah. decades plus into it, and I still have a huge stack of books that I want to read, and I'm still learning every day. Um, and like I say, it really uh, it's very gratifying to feel like you helped somebody get through a hard time. That's great. That's great. And how, how nice to be able to say that about a profession after that much time too, that you still love it and that you're still learning. I think that's really cool. Love it. Um, one of the great things about this is, you know, sort of the longer you do it, the bigger the problems you get to resolve. Um, and so, uh, you know, it just keeps getting more and more exciting. And one of my professors early uh, in my career said, you don't have to worry about job security. Conflict is a growth industry. <laughs> You and I both don't have to worry about that. I think <laughs> no shortage of business for the two of us. Um, when I when I got the pitch to talk to you, I brought this up with some of the people in my newsroom. And newsrooms are a funny place, probably like you know, like hospitals or like a lot of a lot of different businesses are, where you know temperatures change all day long depending on what's going okay. on. Mm -hmm. And everybody jumped on the topic. They're like, "Oh yeah, ask them about this. Ask them about that." And it was it was you learned a lot about people by finding out what was the beef that they wanted me to ask you about. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I really realized talking to people is that you have two different kinds of people in a lot of workplaces. One is the person who confronts the conflict. And the other is probably more like I have traditionally been, which is just to back off and let it go. Either mm -hmm. don't engage, just don't engage, just keep on moving because it just pull ends up pulling you into it. Um, but that's not always a great way to do things either. <laughs> so I'm wondering like how, what you advise to employees these days in terms of dealing with some of their conflicts at work. Well, you know, so you have two kinds of things. One is, uh, you know, the conflict that erupts immediately. And um, that's, like I say, that gets it back into, you know, as you said, conflict styles. Some right. people are, you know, they, they just want to jump all over every little thing. Uh, and, you know, they feel like, you know, control it. And other people say, you know, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. It might yep. be just somebody's transient mood. Let it pass. Um, and, you know, there's room in the large, <laughs> the conflict resolution spectrum for everything. Um, the question is just, you know, when you have people who want to do different things, um, are you are you having a conversation about how you want to resolve the conflict, right? And so, yeah, you know, may, maybe if, if if you say, 
you know, I'd like to give it some time and think about it. I'm not avoiding it. I'm not, you know, but somebody who wants to take control, who sees somebody who wants to take some time, might think that they're not taking the conflict seriously. So I think having a meta conversation about kind of like, okay, we both take this conflict seriously, but we have different ways that we want to approach it. Can we come up with a way that works for both of us? So having a conversation about the conflict that's not trying to resolve the conflict, um, I think can help people learn to get along better. I think a lot of what you're talking about is to ask more questions versus give more statements too. No question. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, actually more questions. More questions. <laughs> uh, more, <laughs> yes, more questions. questions. Um, yeah. Thinking, you know, w- w- we all reflexively uh, think that, you know, our way works for us. And so we'd like other people to attack problems the way we do. Um, but that's not the recipe for, uh, you know, a happy marriage or happy work relationships or getting along with your kids who may have very different approaches than you. And so I think just being a little bit more charitable and recognizing I have a way and that way works for me and that's legitimate and I get to have my way, but so do other people. And so having that conversation about like, what does this conflict mean to you? How would you like to approach it? Tell me what's most important here for you and asking basic questions about interests um, rather than just trying to, you know, fix everything or walk away. I mean, it really feels like what you're talking about is is learning how to play well with others. And then you can avoid a lot of those conflicts. Oh gosh, you know, (laughs) it goes back to, you know, why can't we all get along? I mean, that's, you know, that's a really deep question. Um, Mostly, um, I think if you look at people's behavior, mostly, underlying every bit of behavior is something that you can recognize as legitimate. And so I'm going to tell you a little just story that most parents can kind of relate to. Um, You know, your four or five-year-old's hungry, and there's something on the top of the refrigerator that they want to eat, and you're a little bit busy. You know, they say, you know, mommy, daddy, and you say, you know, it's not now. And so you walk into the kitchen, and you find that they took their high chair and pile the toy on top of it and a box on top of that. And they're reaching for something on top of the refrigerator in a way that scares you nearly to death. And you say, get down off of there. And what they hear is you don't care that I'm hungry. Mm. And what you're really saying is it's not the interest that bothers me. It's the way you're trying to go about achieving it. And so having that conversation to say, what is it that you're trying to get to? Because I don't like the way you're piling stuff up, you know, on top of each other. That scares me. That looks dangerous. But they say, I'm really hungry. You can then say, I can relate to that. Most people get into conflict because they care about the same thing. You know, if somebody's indifferent, they're like, you know, there's no conflict there. And so I think recognizing the way they're pursuing their interest may be the problem, but the interest itself is legitimate. What, how does the advice change, if at all, if the conflict is with somebody who is your supervisor? 
Well, I think that a lot of the responsibility for conflict resolution is part of good leadership. And, uh, you know, mostly leaders become leaders because they were good at the line job. You know, somebody who was really great at surgery and now all of a sudden they manage surgeons. Mm -hmm. In my past life, you write a lot of articles and that makes you qualified to be a dean. And so a lot of times people move up the chain to become managers without really learning the kind of conversational and people skills that they need to manage effectively. So I think the first thing is if you are in a position where you're managing anybody, it really makes sense to read some very good, simple books like Getting to Yes, Learning to Negotiate, um, Difficult Conversations. I mean, there's just a, there, there's a lot there that people need to step back and retrain themselves to manage people. Um, instead of just managing, you know, it's, it's like teachers trying to teach as if they were the, you know, they were the every student. Right. You've got to kind of recognize. You're, you're obviously your expertise and your advice is geared toward a workplace, but it strikes me that a lot of what you're talking about is just good life advice to get oh, along day with to people day around stuff. you. Yeah. Absolutely. One of the things that I love about my profession is that uh, it's something that you can practice from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep and every interaction that you're having, like, you know, with a, you know, a stressed retail clerk when you're trying to buy something or, you know, with, with a worker in the street or with your family, um, you know, good listening skills, patience, uh, neutrality, uh, self-understanding, grace for others. Yeah, this is stuff that uh, it works at work, but it works everywhere. Be nice to others and play well with others. <laughs> Getting Absolutely. back to the same things. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, play well with others is probably one of the most important things that people ought to interview for when they're hiring somebody. Yeah. Well, um, leave us with some final thoughts on, on conflict. Um, well, there's a lot to learn. There's no conflict that is irresolvable. Um, people are people and uh, we share a lot more than we differ. Um, you know, I knew somebody who took a history class and they said, you know, it's all about differences and aren't we all the same underneath? And so I think the recognition that, you know, people are the same underneath, um, that you can relate to anybody. Their pain is similar to your pain. Um, you know, and if you just talk things through and, you know, like I say, uh, you know, give people grace, um, I think that every conflict is resolvable. Well, I find that very optimistic. Richard, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Deirdre, for inviting me. You can follow Richard's company and a lot of his work online. I especially recommend his LinkedIn page for the company. Just search Jams and you'll find some great articles that they've written about a variety of subjects. I'd love you to share this show with someone you're in conflict with. No, I'm totally kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> do not need to help you know create more conflict for you. But share it with somebody who you think might get something out of it. You could text the episode to them. And then if you have a second to leave us a rating or review wherever you happen to be listening to my voice right now, that would be amazing. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and this is the hopefully conflict-free Dying Desk Podcast.